Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 8. That is printed in the worship folder. If you have your Bible with you, you may turn there at this time. Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin our reading at verse 26 and then read through the end of this chapter. Acts 8, beginning at verse 26. What we hear now is God's word. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight, as we continue working our way through the book of Acts, the first half of that book, we come to really the second story about the man named Philip. Philip was introduced to us back in Acts chapter 6, one of those who was chosen as a deacon, he was a man full of the Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 8, we saw that Philip was the one who went down to Samaria. We talked about that last time or the time before. He went to Samaria, an unlikely place, and yet the gospel took root. And God used Philip to bring the message of the gospel. Tonight we come to the second main story about the, the work of God through Philip. 
for the blessing of the church. And in this story, a fairly familiar story, about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, we are once again reminded that the work of evangelism, the work of sharing the gospel, is that work which is directed by the Holy Spirit. And we'll see that as we look at this story today. It is a, it is a story where God is most certainly in control of everything that takes place. And of course, God continues to do that today as well. He continues to use the declaration of his word to change hearts and to change lives. I've used the term unlikely in our outline many times tonight uh, to remind us that this is, from a human standpoint, the most unlikely story that there is. We talk about this encounter taking place at an unlikely place with an unlikely person using an unlikely passage of scripture and having what I will explain to be an unlikely result. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch to encourage us that God is the one who's in control of the spread of the gospel. God is the one who blesses the work of evangelism. I say that this encounter happens at an unlikely place. Verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Remember where uh, Philip was, kids. He was in Samaria. And, and in Samaria, he was having a thriving ministry. Those words we've read a number of times from Acts chapter 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Philip has an ongoing, thriving ministry. Casting out demons. Healing those who are sick. And God takes this man and says, I want you to leave where you are. Leave this ministry you have going right now. And I want you to go someplace else. I want you to go down. Jerusalem to Gaza, to a desert place. Ministry in the desert. Uh, my wife and I lived for 14 years in the desert. Uh, maybe we feel this past week like we had some desert heat, the temperatures in the three digits, the triple digits again. That's why we're meeting you know, earlier in the morning to, to uh, keep the heat down. You don't want to go to the desert to do a ministry. Uh, this road from uh, Jerusalem to Gaza was a known road, but not a well-traveled road. It is a very unlikely place for ministry to happen in the desert. And our, our text says, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down. Maybe you have a footnote in your Bible. That phrase, toward the south, um, more literally means, I want you to go down in the middle of the day. 
It became used later as a directional reference, but it literally means go down in the middle of the day. Now, even we know if you're going to go through the desert, you don't want to go in the middle of the day. If we're going to drive across the desert to go to, 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 the, to the east, we start early in the morning to get through the desert, or we go late at night to get through the desert. But you don't go to the desert in the middle of the day. That is absolutely the wrong time. This is the most unlikely place for ministry to happen. It is the most unlikely time. Why in the world would you leave a thriving ministry in Samaria and go to the desert in the middle of the day? It's a reminder that in evangelism, God is the one who is in control. Philip doesn't argue. Philip simply rose and went, verse 27 says. He was obedient to the command of God. And amazingly, as he goes to this unlikely place at this unlikely time, he actually meets someone. Verse 30, 27. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. I would suggest Philip meeting this person is an unlikely person for evangelism. He is a foreigner, not even a Samaritan. We talked about the Samaritans the last time about how there was a friction between them and the Jews. Not even a Samaritan, but a foreigner. Someone who obviously, though, had some connection with Judaism. We read he'd been in Jerusalem to worship, and now he's returning back home. He is an Ethiopian. He is a court official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He's not a layman. He is a court official, a high official, one in charge of the treasury. We might say today this would be like meeting uh, uh, the chairman of the Fed, uh, Jerome Powell. We're walking along the street, and suddenly, hey, there's the chairman of the Fed. An unlikely uh, person who would come across our path. And the conversation, they strike up a conversation, not about everyday things, but a spiritual conversation takes place. Most unlikely. He was an Ethiopian. He was a court official. He was a eunuch. Perhaps we have to remind ourselves of the Old Testament regulations regarding eunuchs in Deuteronomy chapter 23. They were forbidden by law to enter the assembly of the Lord. In every human way possible, this man is the most unlikely choice for evangelism, a foreigner, a high official, one who is excluded by law from assembling with God's people. And yet, this man was God's choice. This man was God's choice to hear the message of the gospel. The work of evangelism is the work of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> We read in verse 28, he was coming back from Jerusalem. He was uh, returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
Spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. I don't know this for a fact. I just somewhat surmise. Perhaps while in Jerusalem, uh, he had picked up this scroll of Isaiah. I, again, being a minister, I kind of imagine it like when a minister goes to a minister's conference and there's a book table, and even though we've got books and books and books in our office, we can't resist buying one more book. And so the Ethiopian comes across this scroll of Isaiah, and he uh, reads it right away on his way home, reading on the way home. And, and Philip asks him a very daring question. Philip says, verse 30, do you understand what you're reading? This man was no slouch. This man was a court official. This man was the treasurer, an educated man. And yet Philip asks the question, do you understand what it is you're reading? The Ethiopian, rather than being offended, rather than defending himself, asks, answers the question very simply. He says, how can I? How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. It's a reminder that, that the word of God, as beautiful and as clear as it is, unless the spirit is at work, it is a closed book to the unbeliever. These things are spiritually discerned. The unbeliever's cold, dark heart will never grasp the beauty of Scripture unless the Holy Spirit is active, and at times the Holy Spirit uses others to help to explain the beauty of that word, as he used Philip here. And Philip is invited to come up and to sit with him. The text that he was reading, verse 32, now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. From Isaiah 53. And, and as this text is being read, and he invites Philip to come up and explain it to him, he asks exactly the right question. The eunuch asks this question. About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? He doesn't ask the question I might have asked, what is this text about? He asks, who? is this text about? There are many, many stories in Scripture. And we can, we can share the what of Scripture uh, many, many times. But we have to get beyond what the Scriptures talk about to whom the Scriptures talk about. The Scriptures, children, are the story of Jesus Christ. That's what we read. Verse 35. Then... Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Beginning with this text, 
this Old Testament text. And from this text of Isaiah, he would declare the gospel. I would have loved to have heard that exposition. We, on this side of the cross, look back to Isaiah 53, and we can see the beauty of its references to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I would have loved to have heard Philip's exposition of Isaiah 53. Now, why do I say this is an unlikely passage? Because I think if someone asked us to explain the gospel to them, we probably would not begin with the prophets or even the Old Testament. Now, to be sure, we have the New Testament, a clearer revelation of Jesus Christ. But this is a reminder that from any text, we can declare the gospel. All of Scripture is about Jesus Christ, the one promised by the Father to come and take away the sins of his people. It all speaks about him. I don't think if I was going to have an evangelistic encounter, I would first of all turn to the prophets. But even the prophets, even the Old Testament, all of Scripture speaks about Christ. From any text, we can declare the truth of who Jesus was. That it was his life that was taken away. That he was the one as a lamb who was offered up. From any text we can declare the truth of Jesus Christ. As Philip does that, as he opens up this text and declares the good news about Jesus, we have the most unlikely response. The man hears the gospel and he believes it. Now why do I say an unlikely response? You notice I have quotes around that. And perhaps I, I call it an unlikely response as maybe a reflection sometime of my own thoughts. Do we really believe that the scriptures are the power of God for the salvation of those who will hear them. We confess the perfection of God's word. It is inspired, it is infallible, it is inerrant. It will never lead us astray. But do we really believe if we take God's word and share it with someone else and tell them the truth of the gospel, that they will embrace Jesus Christ? Or would we think that that would be unlikely? If we do think that by teaching God's word, people come to faith, then I guess I have to ask myself, why don't we share the scriptures more often? If we believe that this is God's appointed means for the spread of the gospel, why are we so often silent when it comes to telling this glorious truth? Oh, we believe in the, 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 the power of Scripture. But, but practically, I wonder if we lack confidence in the Word of God. Maybe... Maybe we're afraid to open up the scriptures to share their truth. 
Because we think that, that if we share the gospel and the person whom we share it with fails to embrace Jesus Christ, that somehow we have failed. This story reminds us that evangelism is the work of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not our job to convert anyone. That is beyond what we can do. We simply cannot change a heart. If we open up the word of God and someone fails to embrace Jesus Christ, we have not failed. We have only failed if we do not open up the word of God and share it with others. God calls us to obedience. The work of evangelism, changing a heart, conversion, is God's work, which he chooses to do through the power of his word, through the declaration of the gospel, that glorious gospel, that wonderful truth, that God takes those who are dead in transgressions and sins and he gives them a new life because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Is there anything more precious to us than that truth and that glorious reality? Because it's happened to us. And God calls us to take this precious truth that we know that we love and have an openness, have a willingness to share it with others, to, to listen for opportunities to open our mouths. It might be in an unlikely place. It might be with an unlikely passage. The conversation we're in might, for no particular reason, turn toward things spiritual. And how often aren't we quick to try to turn them back to the mundane, rather than opening our mouths? in obedience to God's command and simply sharing the truth that we know. Don't fail to speak. God has placed us each in different circumstances, in different spheres of influence, and we have to be ready to be open that when the Spirit is at work, we're prepared to open our mouths to speak the truth. It's not our job to convert anyone. That is beyond us. It is our job to share the glories of the gospel that we know. We are called to be willing. We are called to be obedient. We have heard the gospel. We, by God's grace, have embraced Jesus Christ. That's all the training you need. You know who Jesus is. You know what he did for you. That is sufficient to share the truth with others. Conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. God calls us through the gospel to place our trust in Jesus Christ. He makes that call once again tonight. God calls all of us here to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in those in whom the Spirit is working, that will happen. Because God's word has been opened. His word which is powerful. It may be in the coming week. You find yourself in an unlikely place having an unlikely conversation, and suddenly it turns toward the things of God. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to tell the simple truth that you know. You will not fail to 
that person says, I don't want to hear anything more of the gospel. We will fail if we don't open our mouths to speak. God uses means. It's the Holy Spirit's work, but God uses means. He used Philip and the words of his mouth to explain the truth of the gospel, Jesus Christ from Isaiah. Oh, may God give us those same opportunities to be used by him. Uh, perhaps in unlikely places, perhaps with unlikely passages, we might be the most unlikely person. But God might use us to share the truth of the gospel, to convert and change a heart, and then to him belongs all the glory and all the praise. Oh, may we be used by God, unlikely people as we are, to share his glorious truth. Lord our God, your word is glorious, it is beautiful, it is right, and it is true. All of Scripture bears witness to your Son, Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us, his people. Oh, we pray, O oh God, that you might open our mouths to speak this glorious truth. You might orchestrate circumstances with those around us, even unlikely circumstances, that we might be used by you to share the simple truth that we know Jesus Christ is a sinner's Savior. Forgive us, O oh God, if we have failed to be obedient to you, if we have failed to open our mouths and speak. Use us for your honor and for your glory. This is our prayer, O oh God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.